Josh, thank you so much for coming on to Startup Steroid today. I'm really excited. You have an event coming up tonight, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but before we get into all of the specifics, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. Hey, guys. Uh, Josh Bois here from 2030 Ventures and Global Capital Network. Uh, we have an ecosystem to help investors and entrepreneurs connect and ultimately to fund deals that can potentially impact the world. But not every deal has to be impactful. You know, that's, that's kind of our goal is to uh, connect people. Fantastic. And, and I know you got started really early on in this game. Uh, you, you started basically when you were 15. Uh, tell us about those early experiences and how you came into the industry. Yeah, it's funny because I kind of just came out of the gate already building three companies. <laughs> I was you know, developing software, you know, as a kid, you know, it's okay. You see marketing and branding businesses. Um, then I also saw even game servers were something popular back in the day. So I had developers write Josh Block control panels so we could manage game servers. And I was building out servers, initially sticking them upstairs in our my parents' house, you know, in all the different rooms, humming along until I started co-locating and <laughs> getting the buzzing sounds to go away. But, you know, decided to move up to Silicon Valley, run the companies up there for a while, Washington, D.C., and finally come back to Orange County and it's been a fun, fun, long road along the way. That's fantastic. And along the way, and you not only have started companies, but you've also invested in companies, have sort of grown, uh, uh, you know, companies, other uh, advise other uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, tell us about that experience as well. It, it's been a fun road. So we've we've helped raise money for companies to kind of accelerate them to their dreams. Um, I've been putting money into my own companies for, I mean, almost two decades now. Um, you know, bring in some outside angels here and there to kind of help along the road. Um, but basically I decided I was going to start incubating multiple of my own businesses at the same time. Um, kind of seeing what was going to work, what wasn't working, what to put more effort and resources to. So it's kind of like the early stage VC or private equity or an early stage incubator where you're kind of putting your own money into several ventures and seeing what works and kind of bring in heavy hitters to help, uh, accelerate them forward. That's fantastic. And what was that first, uh, uh, sort of incubator accelerator call that, that you started uh, probably now 10 years ago, right? Uh, 18 years ago. So initially one of them oh, was 18. JB servers. Oh, <laughs> JB okay. servers for Josh Watt servers. Right, Don't keep right, the right. domain and next evolution and had nice to design, you know, just a whole portfolio of brands. I was hiring salespeople to go out for. My teachers would let me get out of class and I'd be calling my staff and <laughs> checking on the development, calling the data center to, you know, restart a server or see why the load's high. You know? right, it was right. a, quite a hoot, you know, but um, yeah, I really started to accelerate when I was in college and I had one of my professors, you know, take me on a tour with all these venture capital firms. And I got to speak to a whole, you know, for a group of Italian Fulbrights that had flown out and it kind of got my head started about the venture capital private equity world. And, um, you know, kind of so got started to get my first, you know, few investors or early stage investors around that time where they're buying us servers or paying for our ad budgets. And, you know, it's kind of giving me an early taste at a young age in college. And then I was kind of hooked and I just wanted to, you know, I feel like you don't always have to create the best idea yourself. You can hop onto other ideas too. Um, and I figured I might not create the best world changing idea someone else already has in some energy or tech or SaaS platform. So let me do my own stuff and just make sure I'm helping others. And collectively, you know, we can make, make a big uh, value add together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let's talk in more detail about sort of how, what's your sort of philosophy around, you know, uh, working with 
the founders or and you know how how do you figure out wh- where you can add the most value? I, I all I mean it almost seems cliche, but I really do look for cultural fits just because you can tell pretty early on how you guys are going to get along together, what kind of person they are because businesses change, they pivot. So I just want to make sure you know you're actually in bed right with people you really like. You know, so if, if something needs to change or you're going to bring in another partner, you kind of know how they'll interact better. You know, as much as the business model is important, I really look at, I'd say, the, the culture and the people. Because um, a lot of businesses where I end up creating multiple businesses with the same people, um, they turn into long-term partners. Um, and I've had some long partnerships that didn't work out, you know, so you know, over time you kind of get jaded. And that's, I really look at the kind of the cultural fit and, you know, the experience of the people behind it. Is this their first idea? Are they ambitious and motivated to, you know, get past that? I mean, someone can be in business for a long time and not much have much of anything. I see people just... Uh, one of the people I brought on my team this year has just already accelerated some of our businesses to hundreds of percent uh, growth. So, I mean, it, it's very exciting uh, what the right people and the right team can do. So I, I really look for the cultural fit, I'd say, just yeah, as much as the business uh, model. Focus on the people. That, that's awesome. Um, uh, are there any specific industries that you like that, you know, you mentioned gaming and servers and, you know, sort of the uh the the not the software but the hardware side of the business um tell me about what kind of industries you like to uh invest in or spend more yeah, i mean i i mean because i'm a digital guy and a marketing guy I, I definitely like things where at least it's a national market if not a global market um definitely softer nice. things you know hardware gets expensive retail you got to get foot traffic through those doors if there's something wrong with that area you're screwed you know, a kind of business where somewhat you can wake up and there's orders going on or customers being served. I like to see there, there's either recurring models, high profit margins, you know, uh, try to stay away from, you know, too many service businesses. I have some in my portfolio and those are great. But, you know, as far as scalability, you know, there's, there's too much variability with, you know, with a lot of services. So it's good to have, have, I'd say, something that's very scalable. Like you can productize. I think that's one of the, the things I really like to bring up to entrepreneurs that is it, you know, is this something where you can have you know, a thousand of them go out or 10,000 and your life didn't necessarily change that much, you know, based on your personal output in the situation. Cause you know, a lot of things, if you went from a hundred customers to a thousand customers, I mean, even just hundred to 150, you might be overwhelmed or your bandwidth taken and that you, you can only scale it so much, you know, like an accounting firm, you can only take on so many clients at some point and reasonably get those things out because there's so much manual work involved with each order. So I always try to look for the, the next set of, you know, very scalable productized businesses. And that's kind of what I'm investing in a couple of different states right now, some other investors. And that's, that's, that's definitely my focus these days, productized. Okay. Okay. And um, I know you start relatively early on in the businesses. Um, are there any specific stages of companies that you, you like, you know, very early ideation or, you know, MVP stage, or do you want to see some sort of traction and then just add fuel to the fire? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, typically kind of what I like to go in for is, is to set myself up for success. So to so go into an opportunity where I already know, you know, the, the, the partners and the distribution channels, like a company I'm setting up right now out of Utah, you know, we already have major distribution channels. So day one, when we sign a licensing agreement with our manufacturer, even though it is a hardware play, we can stick, uh, you know, these, these products in locations where I already know there's, there's tens of thousands, millions of people a year going through these locations, major parks, even through Vegas. We already have the relationships where they're going to roll us out to 10, 15, 20 locations overnight. So we don't need a huge, heavy marketing staff. 
Um, we're franchising, so our, our customers will have to deal with their customers. Manufacturers yeah. deal with the hardware. So we're kind of in this sweet spot where we know if we bring you know heavy distribution channels, we can kind of offload it on someone else, kind of stand on a giant shoulder, if you will. So you're not uh, rebuilding the wheel. That That's probably actually one of the, the things I've done best throughout my whole career is make sure I'm not rebuilding the wheel, whether that's you know web technology, open source you're using, and designs or sales scripts or CRMs, you know, pretty much anything's already, a lot of it's just already been done. Someone probably did it much better than you. So if you can, you know, evolve it just a little bit further and, and not, you know, start from scratch, I try to find something where the, all the pieces are already together and you can kind of just add a little value, get it out there and maybe it's either going to be set for an acquisition or you can get someone else in that seat to take on the more mundane, uh, you know, daily operating task, which is kind of when businesses get less fun, right? So <laughs> right. I try to come in when it's fun drive the strategy and get out you know not but that, that that's way, actually but, you know, a very important you know. sort of insight is to be able to look at a business find that one or two missing piece where, where you can add a lot of value take care of that and then as the business is scaling now you can hand the the finished you know working process off to an operator who can just sort of mm -hmm. run that process so that's that's a great insight and probably requires a lot of experience and know-how. Yeah, you have to look at that too. As you're, you know, if you're going to ever offload a business after you kind of get it ramped up, how easy is it going to be to delegate? You know, how easy right. is that product to go sell? You know, does it need a lot of hand-holding and every customer is so different? Or can it, can it just be a few variables? You know, you just don't want 20 variables that change between every customer, every project. And then you're just going to be running around with your head cut off. You know, so right. I try to just look for something where, okay, the customer wants A, B, or C, you know, to an extent. And not every business fits in that peg. And, you know, but I've, I've learned from my own companies that that's kind of what you want, right? You know, right. just like if you're going to buy a BMW, do you want the 18-inch wheels or the 20-inch wheels and you want the tint or not, right? There's, right? there's a bunch of things you can change, but for the most part, that's the car. It's not... Every car is not completely different from the last, you know, team or even if there's some variability, it's easy right. to go sell and have managers and the CEO doesn't need to be involved in every sale to the end user customer, right? You know, it's yeah. not that complicated. You know, you can subdivide it out, delegate it out. So I look for what, what's delegatable, you know, I mean, that's not, maybe not a word, but what can I delegate <laughs> easily, you know? No, but that and makes perfect critical. sense, right? The car analogy is perfect. You know, you're not starting with the nuts and bolts, right? You're not starting with, you know, how do we build an engine every time you sell a car? You're, you're saying that this is the car and then, you know, we can change these three things and, and then off you go. So that makes that sales process a lot easier and, you know, obviously marketing and communicating those ideas to your customers a lot easier as well I'm, I'm really excited for example about a fintech platform i'm building right now oh okay um and you know it's it's gonna i'm setting up this business with you know other people one of the guys is a family office who you know his family office put like 150 70 million behind one of elon musk's uh, spacex ventures you know and they're moving to texas to be by his side to keep funding it and the business is simple compared to some of my other companies it's you know if i set up a sales force to go push this into the market in a very niche market too so there's less competition undercut you know pricing is how many licenses you know right <laughs> how many licenses will include everything where our competitors you know try to you know nitpick on what features you want unlimited license all features how many do you want do you want the the 25 and under license or do you want unlimited right so right just very easy for me to go and get sales staff hit the market, generate revenue, and keep a very lean and mean profile. You know, so the businesses like that make sense to me where, you know, you're not rebuilding the wheel every customer, like a service business, right? As much as I right. do love some consulting and advisory businesses and keep those close to my heart, helping a lot of businesses, 
You know, every business or startup has a different set of needs and documents and you have to wrap around your head around it. It's not so easily delegatable, you know, to maybe junior staff, right? You know, right. if they're paying for a senior advisor, they kind of need the senior advisor. It's not productizable to an extent. And there, there's certain, you know, SOPs and standard operating procedures you can write to kind of standardize your, your service offering within different industries. But then it can also be bland and less value add, you know, right. depending on you know, how much you do that. So I try to look for, you know, a high mix of standardization. That's awesome. Perfect. Um, so th this is actually such good advice for founders as well, because as mm -hmm. they sort of hear this and think through, you know, how they should be thinking about their startup, how they should be thinking about mm -hmm. their business. And if you are creating something uh, that is not replicable, uh, replicable, <laughs> or, or yeah. uh, you know, uh, duplicable, uh, then, um, you know, you might be stuck in that nine to five, even though you have your own business, because you constantly have to add value. Um, whereas if you can productize your offering, then it's just copy and paste every time. And mm -hmm. then, it, you know, you, you can really scale your business and, you know, get, get, get your uh, get the maximum value for your time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you think about a lot of even, you know, a lot of people that they're building out these betas and they're like, Oh, well, you know, this corporate client wants to do a beta, but then they have to, you know, shuffle their team around to figure right. out how they're going to do a beta with them. And, and then, Oh, well they want to do it. And that's, you know, we're working with companies doing that too. And it's, it's just, it's tiring for them to have all these different setups, you know, in different places. And even when they have a physical product, right. That they're, they still have to adapt their portal and their licensing agreements to every client. It's just like, Oof, you know, it's, it's uh, you're, you're putting your own money or your investor's money in there and it's kind of slowing you down. So that's why I really like e-commerce, you know. So even if you kind of have a product that's not that standardizable, if you can put it on e-commerce and let someone check themselves out, yeah. you're already kind of easing the process, the cutting off the invoices and the proposals, all those things that really slow a company down and cost right. a lot of money. You know, you got all these, you know, yes men out there that, yes, you have a right proposal, proposal, but someone has to pay for that time of a staff sitting there, especially wrapping their head around every unique scenario. So I try to get Absolutely. away from that more and more. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, so we're going to come back to founders in a second, but I also want to make sure we touch on uh, how you're supporting the investors, because I think that's a big part of what you're doing yeah. with uh, GCN uh, and building out that network. So tell us a little bit about that side of the business as well. So yeah, basically I decided to found a global capital network as an international investor network to essentially bring in all different kind of asset classes and, and forms of investors throughout the whole investing life cycle. So if I was to bring in a company, um, they might be able to talk to the seed stage entrepreneur or investors uh, or the angels, right? Just like TIE here. Um, but I also try to have, you know, the family offices on the high end side, you know, families that you know, have so much wealth, they need their own, you know, a company essentially to manage it and full-time in-house staff where they can do a direct placement and put 10 or $20 million in your deal next day. If they really, really liked you, obviously you'd have to have some due diligence to back yourself up, but you know, a venture capital and private equity firm, they're great, but they might take months and months and months to decide what to invest in. It's not their own money. I try to bring in a little bit of everything. Um, so investors come to us looking for opportunities to invest in. So that's why we're doing you know, this event tonight um, so that investors can see some public companies, some private companies, they can meet other angel networks, they can meet family offices, multifamily offices. So really we're trying to bring in all sorts of investors and entrepreneurs together, kind of give them a chance to connect, um, you know, whether that's, you know, major impact investor speaking that we have at the event, uh, Walter Schindler from Transformation 
things on 50 million or 100 million impact deals, something intense. We have companies you know, presenting real estate, for example, that have you know over a billion under management and did 200 million plus year real estate deals. So there's there's stuff for the big 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 guys to sink their teeth into. But there's also kind of early stage startups where if they want to come and really advise and operate and kind of you know hold hands throughout the early stages of a company, they can. And that's where you know they can find not likely you know necessarily the next Amazon or Facebook those unicorns that are so rare, but maybe you'll find a company that you know could be 100 million. In maybe a decade, right? That you're you're in the first five to ten people with, you know, maybe it's the next Yahoo, not the next Google. And it's tough to find the next Googles and those guys. You know, that's they, they typically say for investors, you got to invest in eighteen brands to see one of them be successful, right? So um, you kind of got to be open to to new deals and deploying capital and being patient. You know? In the angel space, it takes a lot longer than a VC where they're going to put in a few million and then drive it, drive it, drive it to. An exit in two years with you know insane force, but yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to bring in all types of investors and give them something to invest in. Absolutely, and I I attended one of your events before the pandemic. Uh, this was about a year and a half ago, and I remember it very clearly because I I love that progression, being able to see a company at a seed stage. And as you know, you know, my background is in private equity. So you sort of have to work your way up mm -hmm. and, you know, that seed stage company will become late seed series A, series B. And then, you know, after series D or something, you, you, they, they'll probably get acquired by a private equity firm or for, uh, you know, a manager who's looking to build a portfolio. Um, so being able to see that, uh, uh, that entire life cycle in one event. I think is super rare and uh, you know, kudos to you for actually being able to put that together and, and having all of those investors and companies in, in one space. So that's fantastic. Definitely. I appreciate that. You know, it, it's tough because I, I realize that it's not, you know, just one sector, you know, just medical, we're relatively industry agnostic, you know, so I kind of give people a chance to, it's like they're going through their brokerage platform, you know, okay, I want to invest in med tech, <laughs> tech, manufacturing you know so we kind of say here here's some different private companies public companies different opportunities different stages see what you like but that way there's maybe something for everyone and it kind of gives us another chance to get a lot of people in the room and you know keeps it exciting for us absolutely and it's a good time right yeah, <laughs> when oh, you yeah. Have that, yeah that, that sort of diversity of attendees and people uh it, it also creates those interactions that are you know uncommon and that that really just don't happen in the, in day-to-day -day lives right Exactly. Yeah, we, I try. I really do try to make them more fun. That's why we have red carpet and a press wall. And we have the TIE logo on it, among others, family offices. Yeah. So people can do interviews at the event. We have, you know, some music playing and networking time, presentation time. So it's not just, you know, five guys in a boardroom, you know, in, in black suits. So, you know, it's we try to make it more fun and, and booths. I try, try to bring in companies that might have you know, experiential, experiential offering, right? Where they can right. let the investors, you know, I, I had the LA Rams come once to show our investors like virtual reality tours of their latest, um, you know, box, your private investor, you know, uh, suites, you know, suites, at the, right. the stadium. So they can, you know, look around so they can, you know, talk about companies and meet other people. So you know, I typically you know, tell investors, not only will you see some things you might be able to invest in, but there'll be other investors you can meet that might help, you know, you know, uh, de-risk some of your current investments and kind of add some extra money where maybe you didn't want to keep putting it in or that maybe they're more strategic than you for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, kind of trying to do our, our best here to combine people correctly. And sometimes we do more focused one-off, you know, one company and just investors coming throughout the day to meet them. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and we're very excited for tonight. 
Absolutely. And so if there are any investors out there that are listening, you know, click on the description. Uh, we'll have all of the information, everything linked below. Uh, so you can, you know, find a way to uh, connect and uh, come to the event. Uh, and I know we'd love to see you and uh, connect with you uh, in, in person finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the pandemic. So that, that, that's fantastic. So we'll have all of the links in the description. Uh, check those out. Um, but let, let's keep going through it a little bit more. Um, I want to understand, um, you know, how many companies, let's talk a few more details about how many companies are coming tonight. Um, what, uh, you know, what they can, what investors can expect on stage or in booths and, you know, all of those things. So walk us through sort of the itinerary for, for this evening. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there, there's kind of these different uh, types. So we have like a med tech company with personalized DNA technology called uh, GATC, G-A-T-C. You know, several hundred million dollar valuation uh, based here in a private equity uh, firm that I work closely with. Um, so they can, you know, scan the, your entire genome to recommend, um, you know, what, what type of medication you take for uh, diabetes or for cancer uh, treatment or for even in the cannabis sector. What, you know, if, if you, what might be beneficial for your body or not be good. They've even identified, you know, biomarkers for addiction, you know, who, which people not to give certain types of medication for. So that's the med tech side. We have a, another company that's in the neurospace company, kind of you know, brain uh, monitoring. They'll have to get more into the tech on that. Um, we have an institutional real estate fund you know, coming out of New York, Madison Capital Partners. Like I said, uh, you know, over a billion in assets under management, uh, doing you know, major, major deals. Um, we have you know, even companies presenting just one-off commercial properties here locally in the Southern California market. Like the, I have the vice president of CBRE coming down here to kind of speak and, you know, show some of their properties. Um, so from, you know, immediate and easy investments for real estate investors to just pull up their brokerage account and buy right there or to buy a local property to kind of more longer lasting investments such as funds where they can put their money in and see, you know, they're kind of their funds uh, distributed over time, whether it's REITs or things with dividends. Um, so that's that's on a few sides of it. I might have a, a green tech company coming that has a new energy source uh, for fuel for cars, um, kind of an adaptation of what's already been uh, made before. That's been kind of technology worked on with JPL, my understanding. Um, so and there's much more to come as well. You know, it's uh, that's just off the top of my head. A few of the guys here, but we also you know have some speaking spots for you know angel networks such as TIE to kind of speak about you know, what they're doing in the startup space with their new fund, but the, all the chapters kind of globally. Um, then I have, uh, we're going to do a little case study on a company we like that we just raised some money for called Siamese Stream that has the only patent for shoppable video. So if you buy something while watching a video without redirecting, they own you. <laughs> so you have to go That's through awesome. them. You know, Amazon's looking at them. Other people look at them. They'll talk more about it. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of a few of them. We have other companies kind of filling in, uh, talking about for just a few minutes here, we call rapid pitches, separate from our main pitches, kind of just talking a little bit about what they're doing. Um, one of them, I believe is called Chisos. I was just on the phone with their uh, you know, CEO earlier today and one of the other partners yesterday. They do sub-angel investment. So they're going to be speaking about you know, how they handle uh, the market for offering investors or entrepreneurs you know, kind of money before they're really ready for like an angel or an angel network. So again, it kind of just adds value to the whole life cycle investment of trying to find people throughout this whole uh, investment life cycle. So maybe they're you know past an angel stage, but not quite ready for PE or VC. 
So we can kind of try to find those kind of people that might fill in some gaps or fill out a bridge round for them. Um, right. Yeah, those are just kind of a handful of uh, tonight's that's, companies. That's fantastic. That's such a broad spectrum of companies. I love it. Um, and and uh, for new investors who might be listening, who might find this a little uh, intimidating, um, advice for them is come and hang out with the other investors who might be more experienced and, and sort of learn from them and li listen to them asking questions in the booth and interacting with the founders, right? Uh, that's one exactly. of the great things about your events. Very low people... pressure environment. We're not, you know, charging, you know, you most, most of the investors, if you, if they're, you know, if they're accredited or they're from, you know, real institution that we're not charging them tickets to get in. So there's low pressure. We're not forcing any one company or anything down their throats. It's really like they get to see a bunch of opportunities to connect with other investors. So there's kind of no risk for the investors to come. Um, exactly. And yeah, they can register on our, our website, globalcapitalnetwork.com slash center club yep. for this event. Um, we also have a, just a general investor registration on our site. Um, so that's one way to get involved. And, and we do have a big yacht event uh, coming up on August 26th. We'll have a 120 foot yacht, three stories, with all sorts of high-end companies, investors coming out. That one I'm really excited about because some of the really heavy hitters that are tough to get, you know, away from work. Um, they'll come out for the yacht, you know, even if they won't come out for this. So we already have about 3 billion almost in the room coming uh, tonight. But nice. for the yacht event, it'll probably be even heavy, heavier. So we're nice. very excited. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so before we wrap it up, um, I want to ask you uh, for advice for our founders who are listening, uh, because I know this event tonight is going to be, you know, super successful. And uh, I, I want to leave something for the founders who may want to attend the next event that you have coming up. Um, so let's give them an action step that they can walk away with and that they can do uh, implement today. Um, so here's the question. Um, what is the one thing that they have to get done before they reach out to you, before they give you that first call or send you that first email? What is the one thing you look for in a startup? Mostly the deck, you know, because the deck tells the story really quick. You know, entrepreneurs yeah. call me, I have hundreds of them reach out a month and, you know, it's like, send me your deck send me your deck because I just want to be able to I see the team do I see multiple team members do I see one guy with an idea you know is a guy with an idea for an app or is this a real business that you know are you going to have the word boards of director on your on your right. deck is it going to you know signal the maturity level of you know your business knowledge understanding your operating ability do you clearly have a market to find what kind of effort went into and budget went into the deck does it look beautiful is it easy to understand You'd be surprised how many decks I see don't even have the contact information of the founders on the very bottom, right? They just totally forget it. I'm like, well, these things are going to get passed around, especially if I send it to multiple guys. They might not remember, you know, how to get in touch with you. Um, right. I mean, that's something we, we, I, we run a marketing firm too. So we help a lot of companies package themselves with their videos and the deck and the website. Not trying to sell you guys, just saying that's something we <laughs> offer. But, right. uh, you know, partially because before a lot of times we'll see, you know, companies, they're just not even ready for us to put in front of investors. Like it just, we're not even proud of it yet, you know, until yeah. there's something to show. So the website helps, but at least the, the deck, which is really just a PowerPoint, guys, you know, yeah. seven to maybe 15 slides, mm -hmm. you know, maybe more than seven if you really want to explain it. You know, don't also make it 50 where it's impossible to get through it or understand too convoluted what you do, but it just makes it easy to see, you know, who you are, who your team is, you see the product or a screenshot, if it's going to be a SaaS platform or something something you know who your partners are do we see some logos of intel on there or do we see you know a local flower shop you know that's right. trying to be your first customer with a small budget you know which is fine depending on what type of product it is but it, it tells a story really quick 
So you can, you can try to explain to me all you want over the phone, what you're trying to do, but anyone I send you to will send me something on it. Right. Yep. Ford. I was going to hit the, hit the Ford button, send that PDF deck over and then they, they see, okay, I get it. You know, so you, you can talk forever, but you just need to see something black and white and executive summary is just a little too weak sometimes, you know, so I, I'd say work on your deck. Okay, beautiful. I think that that's a, that's fantastic advice and uh, something that founders can do literally today. Open up PowerPoint, start working on the deck, and then uh, put some money into it. Maybe hire a graphic designer to clean up the design. Um, write the content, you know, in a very clear, concise way, so it's easy to understand. I think that that's fantastic advice um, for founders and something they can really start to get done today. Definitely. So I really appreciate that. Um, Josh, once again, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank I you really for having appreciate me. your time. Um, and I can't wait for the event tonight. I am I'm looking Definitely. forward to finally shaking hands again and meeting you in person. And maybe we can uh, uh, grab some coffee uh, at the event. Definitely. And, uh, I know you'll definitely. be running around, but uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely at least uh, take a picture at the press wall and all that. Oh, we stuff. definitely will. That for we'll, sure. We'll get that done. Um, thank you again for coming on, and uh, I'll see you tonight. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Have a good one.